0: Hello and welcome back to the Bentley Prairie Museum podcast. My name is Alex and I'm joined today by Tim. Hello there. Hi Tim. We will be continuing with the theme of the Blitz to tie in with the current temporary exhibition at Bentley Prairie Museum, Memoirs of the Blitz. This episode is called Playing with Fire. Today we will be talking about the changing landscape around the United Kingdom due to the bombing that was happening throughout the Blitz and subsequently after the Blitz. How this then presented a unique opportunity for play, but also taking an opportunity to think about the lasting impact the bombings had on towns and cities and what remains visible today. So in our earlier podcast, we looked at the immediate impact of the Blitz on both people and places and explored some of the long-term implications for some of those caught up in the Blitz as children. But what about the long-term impact on towns and cities which were attacked? What happened after the Blitz and indeed the war? So Tim, over to you.
1: Yeah, Alex, many towns and cities carried the physical scars for years after 1945 and and the end of the war uh, as the country struggled with its finances and sought to move its economy from a wartime footing to peacetime. Large parts of some cities were derelict for quite some time, uh, and even where damage wasn't widespread, bomb sites, large and small, could be found in many places and i know alex uh in in interviewing some of the people who were children at the time we we've, we've heard from them that when well, i was children bomb sites could be quite exciting places for them to play
0: yeah so i think it's easy to get caught up with the idea that the blitz was you know all terrible i mean obviously of course you had people losing their homes and people were dying and it was a devastating period but at the same time You know, this changing landscape and environment of what was happening around children and adults alike, but really allowed for a new way of exploring the places that they lived in. And there there was a big movement um, during and after the war where children were reusing uh, parts of houses and homes uh, to construct playgrounds, just go on. Google and you, you know, you can search and you can see these pictures. That was actually something that was kind of encouraged in a way at the time. It allowed children, even though they were doing dangerous things, to really grow up and adapt to the environment that was happening around them. And I have stories of children who I well, children at the time who I spoke to. Um, One guy called Don, he lived in Great Yarmouth, you might remember him actually from the last podcast episode I spoke about him, but he spoke of how he used to play in uh, bombed out houses and uh, his now wife actually um, also was talking to me about how She would balance on the beams of houses in the roof that the houses would be you know completely gutted but you know there'd kind of be these beams left over hanging and she would, you know almost like tightrope walk on these beams and they were saying if if their parents knew what they were up to um, they they wouldn't have uh, been very happy and i think you know that's kind of the thing if you think about that context in today um, at present, you know, there's so much sort of health and safety. A lot of kids were, at the time, were just going out and roaming. There were stories of one gentleman, he was in London, he said he used to walk for miles every day, go out with his water bottle and then come back till late in the evening. He also become friends with some army generals and he said he used to go to the cinema with them in uh, the West End and it's, it's crazy stuff like that, that Today you can't even imagine happening and I think it's just it comes down to you know a lot of the fathers Would have been away fighting or they were occupied With roles throughout the war and the mothers might have had younger children or they might have been Helping out in some way with the war effort and so in a way, you know children sort of left to get on with it and explore and I think they grew up a lot quicker that way Uh, maybe than children today, because they had to adapt to this environment. But again, you know, they kind of didn't know anything different. And I think that's just part of growing up in a time where you're in war or something's happening. It's much like children today that grew up during COVID. They kind of had to adapt to this way of being in lockdown for months at at a time. And I guess will have impacted in their future, uh, you know, whether it's social interaction, learning, education, you know, there's big effects and the same kind of principle um, back then also, but it was just this environment of war rather than um, health concerns. But yeah, so Tim, do you want to continue?
1: Yeah, that that whole kind of issue of adaptability uh, is is really interesting, Um, both a kind of personal adaptation and and a kind of community adaptation to, to circumstances, um, just going back to the, to the bomb sites and the, and the damage, I mean, particularly after the war, gradually, some were actually found new temporary uses by the local community. Um, and I've seen reports talking of, you know, turning them into garden, temporary gardens, even marketplaces, temporary marketplaces. Um, So that that adaptability, again, coming to the fore uh, rather than places simply being abandoned. And some of the other kind of positive things that came out of it that you don't often think about, but, you know, as the impact of the bombs effectively cleared buildings that had stood for years. Some sites revealed archeological remains and artifacts that previously had been covered for a a long, long time, and unknown. And and those places, again, temporarily became places to study um, the the history of of our islands. all positives kind of retrieved from terror and destruction. Um, But as you said, Alex, bomb sites were also dangerous places for children and adults alike. Unexploded bombs still lurked in some. Clearly, you know, we got broken glass, loose and falling, masonry were common hazards. Some became Dumping grounds for all sorts of obnoxious waste, and, and became rat infested. Um, the place there were places that could attract criminal activity, either in the form of uh, c- you know crimes occurring there uh, themselves, or putting it horribly, you know, places to dump bodies. Um, and again, Alex, I think in in talking to people who were children at the time of the Blitz, you've, you've come across some some interesting stories of um some more risky activities
0: yeah yeah no for sure i mean you know as i mentioned that lady that was talking about you know balancing on beams of houses but then had uh, another gentleman i spoke to um he he lived in essex and I, i believe he was close by an airfield And he spoke about how he used to get cordite and set fire to that in the streets and, you know, do that kind of stuff. And he said one day him and his friends took some to school because they thought it would be a cool thing to do as uh, children would. And uh, apparently the teacher took, I can't remember if he said it was wrapped in like a handkerchief or something, something like that. And she threw it into uh, this fireplace and uh, he said you know it just sort of like exploded in the classroom and blew up." <laughs> and it's kind of that kind of playfulness you know on, on a child's part is quite um innocent but becomes dangerous to others around um there was also another story where um uh, there was a couple of people they were living in london and um spoke about how There was like an unexploded incendiary bomb and you know there was some child decided to set light to that so that or or through it or something so it exploded and it's kind of it's the waste and like the debris of what was happening then yeah proposed this um issue that was actually quite dangerous to the people living around as well as Got the fun part of playing, but then with play, there's always a dangerous side of it, I guess. And that, you know, that really kind of illustrates that.
1: Yeah, really kind of interesting stories there, Alex. You kind of think, well, we've just passed fireworks night um, and uh, bonfire night. And you kind of see the news reports of all sorts of uh, dangerous happenings. And then you think about children playing with cordites. Um, <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> quite an interesting, yeah, interesting,
1: <laughs> quite an interesting contrast. Um, but gradually, through the nineteen fifties and into the nineteen sixties, sites were cleared and new developments built as cities redeveloped um, for the modern world. Um, it, Another kind of long-term site, another long-term impact of, of the effects of the bombing in the war was that given the widespread destruction of dwellings, providing sufficient housing for the population after the war was, was an imperative. Um, temporary solutions were sought in what were termed prefab or prefabricated housing And they were erected in communities across the country, including many places not directly affected by the bombing. And uh, despite them having a a relatively short planned lifespan, uh, I, I am of an age where I well remember school friends still living in prefabs well into the 1970s.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's the thing, you know, a, a lot of the prefabs and bomb shelters, you know, they still remain today and whether they're being used or they're out of action, they are there and, you know, we can see them around. Um, I know in, uh, well, I close by where I live in Essex, um, there was a school quite res- recently. They only uh, just filled in their uh, bomb shelter they had in the school. Um, I, I feel like they might have been using it for a while actually as uh, a form of, you know, actually educating the children. But I I guess, you know, like everything over time, it becomes more dangerous and things change and things develop. So I guess it was time for it to go. Yeah, Um,
1: Yeah, that's that's interesting, Alex, actually, because, you know, we've we've talked about sheltering in during the war um, and many of the shelters did survive long after the war. Uh, and again, at, at, the, uh, at the risk of, of showing my age, you know, at my own primary school in the 1960s, two large shelters stood prominently in the playing field uh, and they were, they were popular places to, to chase up and down or play King of the Castle on. Um, and and as, as we're speaking, I'm thinking, is my memory playing tricks or did we also get inside them? I think we did get inside them, actually, but it was largely the grass mound that they offered that, that pr- provided a great place to play. It's still a school playing field, by the way, but now yeah. it is flat. <laughs> the, 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 the shelters have gone. Again, as a child, I, re- I remember being driven to the seaside in the 1960s, uh, and our regular route took us past two more shelters sitting in a field by the road. They'd provided sanctuary for airmen and and WAFs working on the now deserted bomber airfield on the other side of the road. Um, Right now, there's no evidence either of the airfield or of the shelters. So um, things are passing into history. Um, And locally, very locally, there was a shelter in a primary school's grounds, um, which was only demolished in the 1980s,
0: yeah yeah exactly i i suppose to reach out to younger people listening um i i also saw uh quite recently on TikTok um that there was a boy over um the lockdown period and you know since then he's been restoring a. Uh, I don't know if it was a i can't remember if it was like an underground uh, shelter if it was an Anderson shelter i I feel like it was an underground one that was in his garden but he's he's turned it into like this bunker and he's like got electricity going to it he's got like this whole game station in there so i think that you know even shows now how even younger people are starting to reuse uh what was there in the past and you know it is again it's like that element of play is still going as a result of the war, you know, it's still there. And I think it's things like that that are so important to younger people that even on apps and social media that this kind of stuff's being shown still uh, so people understand it and they can learn about it, but at the same time, get something positive out of it. And I think, you know, that kind of leads us on to, you know, to ask the question, if you live or visit towns and cities, which become targets in the Blitz, you know, maybe you should sort of look around you and think, you know, are those scars still there? Because there, there definitely are some. I've seen in my time in London, for instance, the V&A, that's somewhere that's quite sort of prominent. You go down Exhibition Road and, you know, you can really see those uh, wounds, if you like, on, on the building, on the masonry um, from that. And then in the other week, I was uh, near Southwark Cathedral. And again, you know, you can see that wounding, if you like, in in the masonry there. And, you know, it's these physical sort of signs that um, really sort of stay with you. And then just round the corner from that, there's also a another church that got bombed out. And there's just like a wall of it remaining. You, you start to realize that the landscape of London especially along by the River Thames you get these odd old buildings uh, surrounded by this modern architecture um, and tower blocks and whatever and that's actually a result of that what was happening so many areas around they got completely flattened and obliterated and some buildings were fortunate enough to remain but you know they are the ones that show these visible scars. And then the rest of the landscape around them is what's been rebuilt. And I think then when you stop and look at it and think about that, you realize the amount of damage that was actually caused in them areas. So yeah, I you know, I really would think it's good to sort of when you go out, look and just actually think, why is this building there? Or why is this older building got chips and dents out of it. Why is it looking that way? And probably come back to the answer that, oh, it was because of the war. And I don't know if you've got anything, Tim. What about more up north? Is, is there anywhere, any cities or towns that
1: come to your mind that... Hull comes immediately to mind. Um, again, where you've got... basically sort of islands of, of the old city and... Um, Separated of newer development um, that really resulted from, again, the, the impact of uh, the bombing in the Second World War. And there's quite a well known cinema uh, that was uh, destroyed by bombing. And I think actually the remains of it are still there and undeveloped. They certainly were until quite, uh, quite recently, but just the skeleton of a cinema that had been hit by a bomb um so yeah i mean all over sheffield um liverpool yeah L-
0: liverpool actually thinking about that I, I, it's just come back to me there's a church in the uh center of the town there that was bombed out in the Remains of it there, you know, the shell is kind of still there, and I, I believe it's now a garden or like a sort of community place. So that kind of goes back into what you were saying um, previously that at the time, you know, these sort of places were kind of adapted and or adopted, I should say, by um, the communities repurposed. And you know, I think that's that's definitely a good example of that also.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: So I think that brings us to the end of this episode, we will be back again for the last installment of the Memoirs of the Blitz related podcast to support the exhibition. Um, The exhibition is still running until the 14th of December, so please do go and visit if you haven't already. Um, Yeah, you know, I I think it's just a great experience. Not being biased because I curated it, but it is a good experience to um, for children, family, anyone that really just wants to learn about what happened uh, during that time. And the next episode, we will be wrapping up and really sort of just reflecting on the project as a whole. So until next time, thank you for listening and goodbye.
1: Bye.